The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, this is Deborah Messing. And I'm Andana Dayani. We decided to create a podcast to introduce you to the people who inspire us most. These are the dissenters. The people who just made a decision one day to break down the establishment and build a new one. In the greatest times of grief or even the most ordinary of circumstances, many heroes will rise. You just have to take that first step. So please tune in this May for our premiere episode and catch a new episode every Wednesday. We can be found anywhere you listen to podcasts. There are heroes everywhere. Discover them. Become one. Hey guys, it's Gobby and welcome to What's Gobby Cooking in the Wild. We got a little bit of a facelift. If you're new here, I'm Gobby. I'm the founder of What's Gobby Cooking, a best-selling author and now a podcast host. What's Gobby Cooking in the Wild, which is the latest version of my podcast, is your one-stop shop for all your food and cooking questions. We'll be talking tips and tricks, how to store food, how to put together meals based on what's in your pantry and more. I'm also going to be interviewing some incredible people and highlighting super cool small companies from the food world. So let's get right into it. This is What's Gobby Cooking in the Wild. Hi, everybody. Happy Monday. We are coming in hot with another podcast episode today with one of with another guest. We have so many fun guests lined up in the next couple of weeks. And today I am so pumped to introduce you to Alex from The Defined Dish. You might already know her from her like raging success of a blog slash her first cookbook that just came out, which is amazing. It's Whole30 endorsed, although it is not entirely Whole30 for those of you who don't want, you, know, you get what I'm trying to say. She's a gem. She's a badass boss lady, mom to two sweet little girls, and lives in this beautiful house in Dallas that I cannot wait to go visit so her husband can make me margaritas. And we are going to talk all things blogging, cookbook, business, the work. So, oh, and we're also going to touch on a little bit of mental health because that's something we all need to pay attention to these days. So without further ado, please put your hands together for my friend Alex. First, for everybody listening, I gave them a brief overview of you at the top of the show, but I want you to tell everyone how you got to where you are today because you have one of the best blogs, I think, period. You have best-selling cookbook, like your total powerhouse. So but where did it all start? You know, my sister and I originally started The Defined Dish like in 2014. We started it together as like a sister duo. It was like a fitness and food blog. And I'm really glad we did it because I probably would have never like gone out on my own and like been vulnerable to like start my own blog, like by myself completely. And so she was a trainer and she started a blog kind of around her fitness training because she was like doing private training and all these sorts of things. And so I was always cooking these dishes. And so we decided to join forces. We started the Defined Dish. It was a very inconsistent, just kind of like a fun thing that we thought was going to be easy that, you know, a lot more work goes into it than what it looks like. And we quickly found that out. My sister was like getting married and kind of, she's three years younger than me. So she was just not into like turning it into a business quite yet at the time. And I fell in love with blogging and creating recipes. And it brought me a lot of joy in a time where I was like struggling with anxiety. So I'd say in about 20, 2016, my sister left the defined dish that it was, which it wasn't that much at the time. And I decided I wanted to go all in and turn it into my career. And I just really hustled and still am. And I was consistent and I treated it like a business. And 
every couple months, you know, it's shifting gears and changing things, but just from blogging and stuff, that's how my book came about. And obviously there's a lot in between there, but I don't really know how I got to where I am now, but uh, I guess just a lot of work and consistency. And so many different hats. I feel like you shoot all your own food. You style your food. You probably do the back end of your website when you're uploading all your recipes and all that. Like there's so much that goes into putting out any piece of content. Like how far out do you shoot all of your stuff before you post it? I wish that I was like way more planned ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not, to be very honest and I'm more of a fly by the seat of my pants person. I'm definitely getting better at like outsourcing. And I finally have like one employee that really helps me with a lot of the back end. She's my director of operations. We just decided her term because assistant did not do her justice. Hades, who works with me. So she really helps me out a lot on content planning and creation and just like doing some of that back end stuff. So that's helped a little bit. But when it was just me, I would like shoot stuff and kind of like post it the next week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to, that's what, that's how yeah. it works. And sometimes I still do. I feel like since the move and since everything, I'm really behind on my content creation right now. So I'm kind of doing that again. I'm trying to, I've just now got it back on my calendar to where like every Tuesday and Thursday, I'm working on recipe development and Thursday, I'm usually shooting pictures. So then I have a couple of days, get everything loaded up and I'll hopefully catch back up and have a, like a month ahead planning, but we'll see. <laughs> like how many days a week are you in the kitchen testing? Is it just Tuesdays and Thursdays slash shooting? And then you spend a couple of days like at the computer and other creating other kinds of content or are you in the kitchen every day? More or less, that's kind of my schedule right now. I do, I feel like play around with recipes on weeknights, just like every night. And I'm like playing with flavors and coming up with concepts. But then like when I'm really trying to like write them out, plan them out once they get to that point, that's a Tuesday or Thursday gig. And do the, does the fam eat them when you're done shooting right away? Like, are they just like vultures sitting around waiting for mom to be done? <laughs> no, I, not really. Because Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'll usually try to like get everyone out and like go do activities so that I can like have my time to like really crank out some content. On those days, I'll usually just kind of box everything up and I will, you know, send someone with Katie and send some home with everybody and um, we'll have the leftovers, of course, like once everyone's home and reconvened. So. Who of the family is your biggest critic when you're putting something new on the table? Oh, that's tough. Sutton and Clayton are a close tie. They're both little Gordon Ramsay's. Winnie's like, everything's great, mom. You're the best. <laughs> She's my little like pump up crew. Sutton is definitely more honest in particular right now. She's seven. Mm -hmm. um, so she's just pickier. Whereas Clayton is just very honest about everything in life. Like he's just a no BS kind of guy and he's not going to like, just tell me it's wonderful. Just to like dote on me. Like he's going to be like, it's really good, but X, Y, and Z and like always be really honest, which I appreciate very much because you know, when you're in the kitchen for so long, you kind of start to go cross-eyed and you're like, is this good? I kind of <laughs> can't tell anymore. <laughs> so um, he's really good at telling me that too. So him and Sutton are a tie for my Gordon Ramsay's. And are Sutton and Winnie, would you like, were they ever picky or have they always been pretty open to whatever it is you're cooking? You know, they're like, they're still kids. So they right. have like their picky moments, like spicy food, like, you know, that freaks them out, but they'll have like a little bit of, I'll usually add like a dash of cayenne to pretty much everything. Cause that's just how I roll Texas. Um, and they're <laughs> used to that. But if I like make things quote unquote spicy, like a really ramp it up, that's not going to fly. Yeah. Um, so they have their picky things and they have their vegetables that they're like not interested in. 
but I feel like for kids, they're pretty open and to eating everything. Cause I just won't have it any other way. I'm like, I like food too much for you guys not to eat all this stuff. Like it's not going to happen. <laughs> I feel like that's a question people get all the time. Like I remember I had my mom on my podcast a couple of months ago and we were the pickiest eaters growing up, but it's because my mom was a picky eater. Like she only eats vegetables and pasta, period. That's it. There's no fish. There's no meat. None of that. <laughs> so people always ask like how, when you have young kids, Sutton and Winnie's age, like how you get them to be adventurous eaters. And I feel like a lot of it comes from what you and Clayton are putting in your bodies. Yeah, for sure. And just like, you know, if they don't like something originally, like obviously we're going to continue to eat it. So it's just continuing to reintroduce it every time. And eventually they like it. Of course, at first, like a little bit of spice was not okay, but I'm just not going to not put spice in my food because Clayton and I like spicy food. They eventually become accustomed to it. They eventually start liking it. I don't know. I just think the more that if if they try broccoli and they hate it, I think it's natural for us to be like, okay, our kid doesn't like broccoli. Let's don't give them broccoli anymore. It's like, we'll just keep putting it on the table. And eventually they're going to be so hungry one day that they're going to be like, oh, hey, this, or you it's prepare it with bad. butter. And they're like, wow, this is great. It's like, yeah, because I smothered it in butter. <laughs> and then the next time they're going to be more t- inclined to eat it. I just think just continuing to put it on the table and have them. Try. I'm always like, you have to take one bite. You don't have to eat it all. It's yeah. Like, It's like a no thank you helping. I want to talk about the cookbook, but before we get there, when you started the Define Dish, was it Whole30 to start? It was not. So that's another thing. Like, I feel like my sister really set me up for success before she left the Define Dish. She, again, was really into fitness and health way more so than I am. She's always kind of reading up on what's next and studying. And she had done a Whole30 just because she had heard about it through a lot of her fitness, you know, world trends and things going on. And she did it and felt really good after it. And she recommended that I try it because like I said before, I was really struggling with struggling with anxiety at the time. I think it was really postpartum anxiety and I was just having a hard time. She's, I feel so good, even though I'm not struggling with anxiety, like my mental clarity is on point. I really think you should do this. And at that point I was like, just wanting to try anything. And it really did help me a lot. I think it was more so aside from just like the quote unquote clean eating, I think it was just like, I wasn't taking care of myself at all. And when you do a whole 30 and you're not drinking for 30 days and you're so focused on what you're eating and you're just like on the track of like healthy and yeah, more mindful. how do I take care of myself? It's just, it was just kind of like this trickle effect where I was just like, oh, I like, if I want to be sane and be like this present mom that doesn't struggle with anxiety all the time, like I really need to put myself and like my mental health first and physical health first and then all the rest will fall into place. So it was just kind of one of those aha moments for me as a new mom that. I just wasn't taking it. Plus I was a really young mom. Yeah. Well, and for people listening, you do a lot of Whole30 recipes on your site, but it is not by any means all Whole30. No, and neither is my book. Even though it's Whole30 endorsed, like my, I feel like, you know, Whole30 to me is called Whole30 for a reason. And you do it for 30 days and it just changes your habits. It changes your habits with food. It's like if you did yoga for 30 days straight, it would definitely change your habits and you would you would have this like instilled sense of, I want to do yoga more in your life. Even if you don't do it every single day after that, you're not going to do it 365 days a year. Right. You know what I mean? It's Balance. Like you change those habits and you, I started reading labels more. So it definitely changed the way that I used ingredients in my kitchen. It definitely changed the way that I eat. And I still sometimes just naturally eat Whole30 because it's very easy to do. I yeah. think a lot of us naturally eat Whole30 and we don't need that label on it. But so no, 
to answer your question, my side is whole 30 ish. Yeah. Ish. God, I love an ish. <laughs> an ish is great. I love ish too. Um, okay. So speaking of your book, your book came out this year, right? Or was it, was it December last year? When did it come out? It was well, December 31st to really throw a wank in it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right in time for January, right in time yes. for new year's resolutions. And you went exactly. on an incredible book tour and got it all in before COVID hit, which is incredible. And your yeah. book is just like a smashing success. I have it right here. I'm looking at it like it's a beautifully shot. Did you shoot it? No, I did not. That's where I drew the line. I did style it, which I will never do that again because it was a total shit show, as you can imagine. <laughs> um, but I did acquire a lot of great dishes. <laughs> and I feel like that was a great investment for long term since yeah. I do shoot all my blogs content. Kristen Um, shot it, right? Yes. So Kristen Kilpatrick, who you know, shot it. And I know her from college and I've grown up with her. And I've always, I think the reason why I'm also drawn to her is I really hate having my picture taken. Like it's my biggest fear. She's so good at it. She's (laughs) so good at it. She is like the only person that can just bring me out of my shell and make me comfortable. I knew I needed pictures of like myself and my family. So, and I just trust her with anything. She's just got a really good eye and it was really fun. It was her first cookbook, my first cookbook. We had so much fun together. We learned so much and I'll use her for forever. I didn't know you guys knew Uh, each other from college. Yeah, we did. She's, she's younger than I am, but I always knew who she was. She's from Fort Worth. My husband's from Fort Worth. He's kind of known her for forever. And right out of college, she just kind of came out with her photography and she was just immediately like everyone started to know her because she's very talented. So her really good Instagram is stunning. Uh-huh. She's, she's very good at so, her job. Yeah. She shot my book and was really helpful. She helped me style it a lot too. Like it wasn't just me. I can't take all the credit for styling because she, she has a really good eye. Well, it's beautiful. So talk to us about how long it took you to get the book deal, to write the recipes, to shoot it? Like what did that process look like? I think from like start to finish, it was about two years, maybe slightly longer actually. I got approached by a literary agent in that process, of course, from like her approaching me to getting the proposal together, to pitching it and getting that sign sealed and delivered was like a four to five month thing with all the legalities. And then I felt that was the weirdest part for me was they were like, okay, go write a book. And I was like, well, here's some what money to do. Where, where are the notes? Where are the, where's the directions on how to start? And then you kind of go in the dark and create recipes for six, nine months. I'm no, I'm preaching to the choir here. Yeah. But and not, not, just, not everyone knows all these things. Yes, for sure. So then I created all these recipes and then you turn them all in and then you go through the editing process and then you have a two week hell week of shooting all the recipes. That's a total disaster, but so much fun. (laughs) And then you turn in all the pictures soon after that. Um, And then after that, it's just more and more editing, getting it all together, putting a bow on it, which takes long time. (laughs) Um, And that lasted, I feel like from whenever I turned in the pictures to when my book was published was almost, it was a little less than a year. Wow. Um, because I was a first time author and it was just, um, within, because it was Whole30 endorsed, they had us paced out so that like we weren't fighting on the Other shelves, Whole30s, I guess. Yeah. That was a hard time to wait because then I was like, what's in my book? And I blacked out. Like, I don't even know. You're like Is putting so something good? similar on the blog. Yes. And then you create so many recipes after you put together a book. You're like, gosh, I wish this would have gone to the book. So... I, my hope is next time, even though two years sounds so long, it's just, there's so much that goes into, I mean, a hundred recipes, it's just like, it's you crazy. need that time. But as soon as you're done, you're like, all right, print it. Let's go. Yeah. Let's get moving. 
<laughs> I wish it was faster, right? Like it's wild that you don't really see it for a year from when you turn everything in. And you for have to sure. think so far ahead in advance of like, what are people going to want in terms of food in a year? Like, and it's, it's just kind of nutty. I know, especially right now. It's like, you know, pantry cooking is in so much vogue right yeah, now. Like how many <laughs> chickpeas like, can and we I eat? I find myself thinking of like, what can I put canned beans on today? You know? <laughs> <laughs> the answer is everything. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my God. The pantry staples are wild. It's wild. But oh. I feel like your book has a lot of those in it naturally for people who are just learning to cook more. For sure. You know, my recipes are nothing fancy. Like they're very straightforward. I think the only thing slightly intimidating for somebody who's would look at my book for the first time is if they're not familiar with like whole 30 and grain-free ingredients, that would be the only thing that would intimidate them. Like what the heck is air root starch? Right. Why are we using it? <laughs> and what's coconut aminos and things <laughs> of that nature. But once you have those ingredients in your kitchen, like my recipes, you know, I didn't go to culinary school. I'm not like, I'm not a trained chef and I really do more of like that skillet style cooking. That's very simple, 30 minutes or less. And like, that's my bread and butter. And that's what I do. People ask all the time, do you need to go to culinary school to have a career in food? And I say, absolutely not. Like, no, for sure. I mean, I wish I would have gone because then I would have had, you know, more training and I love to cook. And I think it would have been really fun for me to do. But if you love something, you can do whatever the hell you want to (laughs) do. Absolutely. Put your mind to it. And one day when it's safe to travel, like let's go enroll ourselves in like a two week culinary program and in like maybe Italy or something. Yeah. Like somewhere (laughs) fancy and just like go eat and drink alcohol for two weeks. I (laughs) am on board. Count me in. (laughs) That's a fun thing to do with girlfriends, like go to a weekend cooking class or do something like that. But you don't need to go to like a cordon bleu and drop 40K on a culinary education. Like you just don't anymore. There's so many other resources out there for learning how to cook and teaching yourself. For sure. And so many different styles of cooking. You know, it's like, of course, like Bobby Flay's not going to be cooking any of my dishes. Like that's not the people. I feel that like are he would buying. love your dishes. <laughs> well, we'll see. Bobby Flay, <laughs> let us know what you think. <laughs> but like, but you're, it's I like get that, that was one thing that really did almost hold me back when I started my blog. I was like, oh, it's like not impressive enough. You know, like this isn't anything that crazy, but there's always room for simple recipes. Like yeah. people love like a good fight of ingredient meal. And I'm like, I'm not even going to post this. This is so stupid. And then that, those are the recipes that are like top of my blog. I'm like, well, that got I posted that. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like people are always nervous to get into the food blogging arena and it's scary and it's overwhelming and there's so many other food blogs, but really think it's about your voice. Wouldn't you say like, that's what makes you stand out as your voice and your brand and who you, how you're communicating with your audience via social media. That's the most important thing. I agree for sure. It's, you know, I feel like for me before like Instagram stories existed, it was really hard for my blog to take off because I'm not the type of person to like really communicate well through Instagram, like in feed text. You'll yeah. notice like most of my content is really through stories. Like my in feed is just like the formality, like, Hey, by the way, something's on the blog, Yeah, but I'm not like, I don't really don't post that many photos of myself and I just don't really know how to communicate as well through there. So it wasn't really until Instagram stories came about that I felt like my blog really started to grow because again, it's like the, it's the person behind the food that people really become connected with and learning from them. And then the rest, you know, of course, the 
recipes need to taste good. I think that's yeah. a very important part, but um, there's so much more to just a good recipe. Absolutely. Do you respond to all your DMs? No, I'm not. <laughs> I, I don't even respond to all my text messages, Gabby. We've talked about this before. <laughs> I can't keep up with that stuff. I am like never going to be a zero inbox type of girl. It overwhelms me. And I used to always I'd say like before I hit like a hundred thousand followers, I always had a zero inbox DM, never email. Yeah. And it kind of came to a point where I was always on my phone and always responding. Not that I'm still not always on my phone. Um, and I respond to as many as I possibly can. But Clayton and I kind of had to sit down and have a kumbaya because he was like, Hey, you've got like two little girls. They're looking at you. I'm not trying to like preach at you or anything, but it's going to make it okay for them to just stare at their phones all day. So I yeah. really do try to treat my job. But I try, I don't succeed a hundred percent to treat my job like a nine to five. And it's just hard to answer all the DMs. I was really bad about that before. Like I would be on my phone until I fell asleep at night. And then I'd wake up in the middle of the night and start responding to DMs at three in the morning when I couldn't sleep. And I had to start sleeping with my phone in a different room. And it's made a huge difference in a, my sleep and b just like, like mental balance. Health. Yeah. But yes. like, do you make, so do you make an effort to kind of put your phone down unless of course you're storing your dinner or something like that? Do you try and yes. put it down at the end of the day and just have like family time? Yes, I try. I might like, while I'm in the bath, respond to, you know, a handful of DMs. Yeah. And then, and then once I'm out, like Clayton, and I will watch some TV together and right. go to bed and call it a night. So yes, I try to set those boundaries, especially like when it's like dinner time with the kids. I used to record so much of my content around dinner time and I've really um, drawn back on that a lot. I might do it like once or twice a week now, if even it was just becoming too much and my girls are getting older. They're not just like little toddlers anymore. Like yeah, they pay attention like now. <laughs> many people and they need a lot of mommy time and they want to talk and they want to be present and connected. And I don't want to miss these moments with them. So, you know, as much as it is hard to shift gears and change the way that you've always done things, it's essential yeah. um, as human beings to just, you know, know when it's not time to do it the way that you used to anymore. And, um, so I kind of shifted gears on that and I don't do that as much unless it's like something so easy that I know I can like real quick film and it's not going to distract from the night. Right. By the way, I'm making these things like, but I'm not going to walk through every little detail and show everything like I used to. I just, I just can't keep up with that. I think that's so smart and healthy for mental mental health. So that actually leads me to my next question. I feel like you share more than just food on the defined dish. And I think it's so refreshing that you talk about physical exercise and mental health and all these different things. Has it all has, have those things always been part of your, like, I don't want to call it a sharing routine, but like part of your repertoire of what you're talking about, or did that kind of come into focus further down the road? You know, I really think since Instagram stories came about, I really was pretty open and started talking about that kind of stuff right away. I feel like you must get so much incredibly positive feedback about that because I know when I watch it, I'm like, oh, it's like, it's so cool to see someone else. That's normal. Like, it's not like, (laughs) I feel like Instagram, there's so many people who pretend that life is perfect and there's nothing ever bad. And that can get really exhausting to watch. It is exhausting. I think it's so important to share. I feel like also... Sometimes I'm like, wait, am I like really 
oversharing. Like, is this, is this going to bite me in the ass one day? (laughs) And sometimes like, I just feel like, you know, lately even more so it's just like a very vulnerable place to just like share so much of your life. Cause I don't know, everybody's like a little on edge. Yeah. Just a little. And you might just, someone might not be in a good mood and you might say something like slightly wrong. And then you're just like, just and you're just like, shit, you know what I do today. (laughs) But overall, I feel like I, I think it's good to share those things because people um, can relate and we can all connect. And that's what social media is about. So this, this is a personal question. I don't know if anyone else will care about it, but when someone leaves you a comment, like a public comment on something and it's like a total D about it, like something just mean, what's your, do you respond or do you just like, don't, not going to like bother that? Um, it totally depends on what it is. I will either go the route of just ignoring it or I'll just kind of be like, oh, thanks for your, thanks for your feedback kind yeah. of thing. Like just maybe something very slight back. But right. um, I've also feel like sometimes there's criticism that I do need to like take to heart and be like, oh, you know, maybe I need to like rethink how I share things or whatever. So there's like those that I'll always respond to where I'm like, sure, okay, positive. Let, me, let me think about that, even though it might be um, a little embarrassing for me to think about or like might hit right in the gut. I'm like, okay, I need to think about how I share things or whatever. But um, for the most part, I feel like people are pretty nice. Constructive criticism is always welcome. Mm-hmm. I feel like depending on my mood, sometimes I will like really get in there with someone. And I, I Thomas is like, why, Gabby? Like, just- I know. Last <laughs> night, last night I got a DM, which we won't even go there. But I was like, should I say something? Clayton was like, no. Yeah. Are you kidding me with that? Like, don't even respond to that. I was like, you're right. Why would I even respond to that? This is so stupid. How involved is Clayton in the Define Dish, if at all? More involved than you think, but he's not like an influencer husband by any means. Yeah. Um, he's not like in the in and outs, but he's really helpful to like be a sounding board as far as just like running the business side of things. He helps me a lot there. Really helpful with just, you know, keeping me aligned mentally because sometimes, you know, being on social media can be mentally draining. And he's unfortunately the person that has to listen to it all the time. But he is always like never whines about listening to me complain about it. So he's like my social media therapist yeah. full time. <laughs> um, and he's really helpful with the business side of things whenever I have to go through you know, all that kind of stuff. So, and he makes helpful. a mean margarita. He makes, oh yeah. He also contributes. He's a contributor <laughs> on the cocktail front and he makes some killer, killer cocktails. Like he is really good at cocktails. He is. I so, mean, I've only met him once when we were waiting, you were at your book signing, getting ready and Clayton, Courtney, Kyle and I all went out for margaritas and he just like ordered for the crew, took care of it. And I was like, oh my God, he really knows like what kind of tequila, what like all these different things. He really, he really gets it. No, he's really good at making drinks. So that's his other thing he's contributed to. So he's got it. He's always there when I need him, but he also like stays out of my business because we're just like not the type of people that would like completely work together a hundred percent. Like yes. that's just not our style, but that's He's totally very helpful fair. when I need them. <laughs> when you guys, so switching directions before I get into some like really, really hard hitting questions, like about the housewives <laughs> and things like that. Um, what, like, how was the home renovation process? Like, did some, did one of you take the lead on it? Because all the things we've seen of your house on social media are impeccable. Well, that is going to surprise you because that is like 90% clean. Really? Clayton has an eye, like, no other. Like he should have been an architect and he still like to this day wishes that he was. 
He loves design. He loves art. Sometimes drops the ball in a couple like little details, but like as far as like the big things go, like he's made all the decisions with Remodeling House. And I hate that kind of stuff. It (laughs) makes me like there's way too many decisions to be made. And I'm like, someone just make them for me and just like make it look like this picture. Did you? Did you do the kitchen though? Like, were you pretty? I did. Like- I did. So obviously I had a big opinion in like my spaces I cared more about, but like everything else was Clayton for sure. And he was helpful with the kitchen, but the kitchen, I designed that. Yeah. Kind of laid it out the way that I wanted to. And did you, did you design it? Like the fact that you can run your business out of your home from there and you can shoot and edit and film and all these mm. different things. Like, so you're really building a work and home, like home space. Like it's both. Exactly. So um, you'll see in like my kitchen, I put two stovetops. One I know, is I like love on that the counter, with the like island. The- the event about it. And then I put the one on the island and that was actually another Clayton prop. His idea, he was like, Alex, you know, in the last house, we had the stove top kind of in a weird area. And it was really hard to film. He was like, I think you need to put a, like a electric stove top in right here so you can film. And I was like, that's a brilliant idea. So he did help me with the design of that. See, he's got my business in mind. I'm just like, <laughs> let's cook great things. <laughs> he's like, I just want it to be beautiful. And he's like, let's mm-hmm. make Thomas is the same way. It's very interesting. Wow, we really married like design men. I know. I know. It's so great. I love that they Clayton just doesn't care. He's got great eye for that kind of stuff. He has just as many clothes as I do. Like he's just got some swag and style. Like, yeah. He's got He's always got, I'm like, I'll just wear my white t-shirt and jeans every day. And we're so opposite. It's kind of funny. Keeps you on your toes. How did you guys meet? In college. We were really good friends pretty much all through college, but we always had like different boyfriend and girlfriends. And I had a great group of guy friends that I made early on my freshman year. Clayton had gone to tech for a year, played baseball there, and then transferred to TC where we both graduated from. And so all my freshman year best guy friends were his good friends from high school. So when he moved back, he just kind of, I inherited him as a friend too. Always adored him, but like we never really thought about dating, but I studied abroad my junior summer. And then he studied abroad right after that for a whole semester. And so we had like a long time apart. And so when he moved back, we were both single. He just came on full force, started hitting on me. And I was like, like, this is weird. (laughs) You're in in my guy friend circle and I don't want to ruin all my best friends. and. After about two weeks, I came. So. <laughs> we've been, we've literally been together ever since. And that was so a valiant effort. Like two weeks, yeah. valiant. Good oh job. yeah, he's, he's very persistent. Very <gasps> persistent. So he won. <laughs> oh my gosh! And how long have you guys been together now? Since 2010. Wow. Oh my gosh! So ten, years. ten years. Married for seven. And you have two beautiful kids out of that. You guys are the cutest. Okay, so. Before we wrap up, I like to end every podcast with some rapid, like very political, hard-hitting question. <laughs> these are the things that I'm more, I'm like, whenever it's a rapid fire, I swear I just go brain dead. No, so I think these let's are going to be I can do. <laughs> what did you want to be when you grow up? For whatever reason, like high school, I really wanted to be a counselor. Um, what's your least favorite food? I hate wasabi and I love spicy food, which is really weird. Do you like the ginger when you go out for sushi? Love the ginger. But yeah, I hate the wasabi. If they put wasabi on sushi, I'm out. Peace. Really? Yeah, I'm not into it. I don't know why. It makes my nose tickle. (laughs) Yeah, me too. I'm not into that sensation. Well, on the opposite end of the spectrum, what is your all-time favorite food? I guess I'd have to go with pasta. What was the most used emoji on your phone? The one that's like wrinkly face, (laughs) like that he looks like he's stoned. Like, (laughs) 
<laughs> genius. Um, assuming, like, let's just pretend we live in a world where COVID doesn't exist. What's the top destination on your bucket list? And would you go oh. with the whole fam or just Clayton? That, like, I've never been to before? Yeah. Um, we really want to go to Thailand. Oh, with the whole crew? Yeah, I'd take the kids. We're ready to, like, really start making the kids, like, world travelers and cool. open them up to all of things. Oh, so. my God. That would be magical. It would. 2021 <laughs> is your year. I feel it. Yes. <laughs> um, Harry Potter or Hunger Games? Hunger Games. Don't judge me. <laughs> I'm not judging you. I love them equally. I'm, okay. I'm an equal opportunity. What Like, what's that genre? Like, fantasy? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I love it all. <laughs> um, favorite Girl Scout cookie. Do you eat Girl Scout cookies? Yes, I do eat Girl Scout cookies. Definitely Thin Mint. Frozen or not frozen? Definitely frozen. Yes, you totally <laughs> get it. Taylor Swift or Beyonce? Beyonce. Favorite way to eat avocados? On toast. And lastly, <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, but avocado toast is everything. Do you sprinkle <laughs> anything on top? Everything seasoning. Yeah, and Bobby. salt. No, well, yeah, yeah from anywhere. Uh, <laughs> anywhere, yes. Um, and then a favorite TV show ever or one that you've discovered during quarantine that everybody should start watching? The two that I've watched recently that I love that were just like kind of happy-go-lucky that were perfect during quarantine that weren't too heavy were Marvelous Miss Maisel. Fun, easygoing, you know. And then the other one was Mozart in the Jungle. Oh, I haven't watched that. The first two seasons, great. The other two, eh, gets kind of weird. Okay. But a good, happy-go-lucky. I'm obsessed with the actor. Easy-going ones, like at the end of the day with everything heavy going on in the world, those are two really good ones to watch. I have one more question. If you could cook for any celebrity, dead or alive, who would it be? I mean, of course, I would like love to see like an Ina Garten moment just because Dreamy. she's just... That's a dreamy little queen. And, you know, Martha Stewart lately has been rising to the top of just... Did you see her sexy pool selfie? Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? But I, I like, I'm, so in- I'm so intrigued by it. Like, I just, like, need to see this in person. I, I wish I was that. quarantined with her because I just want to get drunk with her every night because you know those margaritas and that she's making are a strong... And she like, they're just thriving. I feel like she postmates in like the best booze. (laughs) And she has that garden. So if like the grocery store is closed, like you're good. She's fine. Yeah. She could live off of what's in her pantry and all of her fancy vanilla probably until 2022. (laughs) I wish I had a better answer than those two because those are pretty basic. No, um, but those are both like queens. I guess, I mean, have those two people been people you've looked up to? In your you know, career, I wouldn't say Martha Stewart is like necessarily someone like I. You don't want to go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Maybe next time. Um, <laughs> but I've never really like cooked Martha's recipes, and when I have, I'm not like, woo, like she's yeah. not somebody. But I've always thought she's just really intriguing, and I think her whole brand is interesting. But. I do love Ina Garten's recipes. Like she definitely like in college when I was really learning to cook, her recipes did help me learn to cook. So, yeah. She's yeah, the queen. She inspired me for sure. And she has very colorful spines of all of her cookbooks. Like they look great yeah. in a bookshelf. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh my gosh. Well, I love you. Tell everybody where they can find you if they don't already follow you. TheDefineDish.com and at the defined dish. You, you are the best. What's for dinner tonight? I'm going to make a big chopped grilled salad with like chicken, corn, avocado, all the things, some sort of dressing. I haven't decided. Sounds very healthy. We should make the same thing. I'm like on a cacio pesto kick. <laughs> then we'll just drink. We'll just drink like four margaritas to kind of balance. balance. <laughs> We've had cacio pepe like four nights in a row. I think it's time to like work in a vegetable. 
I love that. (laughs) Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. You are the very best. Okay, bye. Bye, Alex. All right, that's a wrap. If you don't already follow The Divine Dish, you absolutely should. She has incredible recipes, super easy weeknight meals. You guys are going to love her. Check her out. And I will see you next week. Well, I'll talk to you next week. We don't actually get to see each other on the pod, but you know what I mean. All right, that's it for today's Web Scobby Cooking in the Wild. Be sure to tune in for new episodes on Mondays. And if you have any questions you want answered, give us a call at 1-888-338-4429 and leave me a voicemail. Or if you know a super cool small company that you want to be highlighted, let me know in the voicemail as well. Make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're using to listen and follow along with What's Gobby Cooking on Instagram and Twitter. And for more recipes, check out my website, whatscobbycooking.com. See you guys very soon.